0: Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Aschettino. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the American Civil War. Now, this is, you know, in, in the United States, uh, this is mainly for my overseas, uh, my overseas listeners. In the United States, when we say, say oh, the Civil War... It's understood we're talking about the US Civil War um that took place in the 1860s. Now, I do understand <laughs> we are not by far the only country that has had a civil war. Um but nobody kind of makes that distinction in the United States uh, partly because well I guess in the United States people are just like look it's um you know what happens here is the only stuff that really matters uh that's kind of uh, unfortunately that's been an american mindset for a long time we're getting much better with it now though we we are really especially younger generations you know are starting to move into that more uh you know global mindset but uh the civil war also is because it's a um it's uniquely american and and again i use the term american meaning United States here. I understand there are the Americas, and to call the United States, to just refer to the United States as you know, America, um, you know, is is kind of insulting in a way to the people of the Americas, to people that live uh, basically everywhere else in what is today North and South America. But I'm using the terms just because these are the, the commonly used terms And so to make sure that everyone understands it. Uh, But the the Civil War in the United States of America uh, was a war that was fought between two distinct worldviews. And those worldviews were one side which wanted slavery to continue to expand and one side which not necessarily didn't want slavery to continue to expand, though that became an issue later on, but didn't believe the other side had the right to simply break away in order to do it. And we'll get into all of that. It's, it's a really, it's, it's, a, it's a quite complex thing. Everyone talks about it. It's this, about this and that. First things first, I will say this, and I know probably people will hammer me for it, but it's the truth. The American Civil War, the United States Civil War, was about slavery. The beginning, the end, everything in between was about slavery. There are, you can try and argue all you want that there were other reasons involved. You can try and argue states' rights. You can try and argue about, you know, political power um, in the Senate. And, And you can try and argue about Uh, you know, the difference between north and south. At the end of the day, all of these things, all of these arguments, if you follow the path long enough, okay, it's like being inside of a black hole. No matter what direction you turn, eventually you end up at the singularity. And the singularity here is slavery. And the Civil War is basically the culmination of 60 plus years of continuing to put band-aids on a wound that was there and had started to fester and people chose to ignore it. You know, it it, it really, it was, it means slavery in this country, in the United States. It was akin to a cancer, okay? And the problem is that so many people just wanted to kind of ignore it. You know, nobody wants to acknowledge when you have that pain somewhere it's like well if I ignore it for long enough it'll it'll go away I don't want to deal with it I don't want to deal with it today I'm busy I'll deal with it tomorrow I'll deal with it next week or next month it only gets worse okay I'm not saying that there should have been a civil war earlier but the bottom line was that the fact that slavery existed made some kind of a conflict between pro-slavery and anti-slavery forces inevitable. And that's eventually what exactly what happened by the 1860s a culmination of events had basically driven the slaveholding states in the southern part of the United States to a conclusion that their way of life was threatened, their political power was threatened, and that they would actually be better off by forming their own country, seceding from the United States, arguing that they had willingly joined the United States, and therefore now they were willingly unjoining the United States. And we're going to talk about all that. We're going to see exactly why this caused a major problem. But when we go back and talk about the Civil War, again, we're talking about issues of slavery in the United States. Now, slavery had existed uh, since the beginning. Um, You know, throughout colonial times, you know, throughout the writing of the Constitution, uh, the Three-Fifths Amendment, which was part, you know, determined that for the purpose of uh, representational rights, slaves were counted as three-fifths of a person, which is a horrible thought, but that's what happened. And so, uh, you had slavery, and for many Northerners slavery was just something they did. Now, there were slaves in the North as well. I mean, New York City, there's, there's a lot of work being done now, uh, and you could definitely go uh, online and find a lot of this stuff, done now about the role slaves played in helping to build the economy, the early economy of New York. Uh, slaves existed in many northern states. Not in the massive numbers they existed in the South, okay, and there were other things that they were doing. They weren't just working on plantations. Obviously, there weren't really any plantations in the North. Not, not like the cotton plantations of the South. And so, this idea of, about slavery... Slaves in the North might work uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a shop, depending on where they were. But there definitely was slavery. However, over time, there came about this idea... That, you know, slavery is not a good thing. And in the North, more and more you started to see an abolition movement growing. Now, it's important to make this point clear. There were many people in the North that did not want all slaves to be freed. Because slaves, freed slaves, simply represented competition for jobs. And then as now... When you have more people that are willing to work than jobs that are available, cost of labor is down. People are willing to pay less, okay? So the idea, and, and this will continue throughout the Civil War, when the when, when finally Lincoln decides, okay, that's it. We're going to, uh, you know, issue the Emancipation Proclamation. And then later on, afterwards, with amendments to the Constitution, this was still not really, you know, I know it sounds it sounds kind of like, well, that's very, they're being very petty. Yes and no, they were being very petty in a sense. On the other hand, there were a lot of them that would have to remember these people, at that time period, grew up with the idea of slavery. And looking at this in, in 2020, the idea of slavery is abhorrent. And it's always been abhorrent, but we haven't grown up with it. We haven't grown up with this thing being part of things like, oh, there are slaves. Oh, okay, there are slaves. I mean, today, if someone was like, who is this? Oh, this is my slave. You would be like, uh, <laughs> you're kidding. Uh, no, no. They, you know, you'd be like, what are you talking about? You can't have a slave. That's, I mean, number one, at the very least, it's illegal. But even more than the Ill- Ill- illegality of it, if it were legal, it's immoral. You can't do this to other human beings. At the time, though, these people would have seen it as, yeah, look, there are slaves and there are free people, okay? There were freed blacks. There were enslaved blacks, okay? Um, That's just the way that life was. That's the way that the the world turned. So, but in the North, you started seeing more and more abolition movements coming through. These ideas that slaves... um, Slavery was inherently immoral and that it should be banned. And in the South this directly threatened their way of life and their economy. And so obviously Southern states were very opposed to this. Now, um, there were many attempts to solve the problem. Uh, in 1820, the Missouri Compromise was passed, and this declared, okay, Missouri's going to come in as a slave state, Maine is going to come in as a free state, And everything north of, basically, Missouri is going to be freed, and in the south, basically, you can have slavery if if the people so desire. Now, this is important because the entire fight, and this gets through with the political issue, the fight was over-representation, especially in the Senate. Since every state came in with two senators, the slave-owning states wanted to make sure that they held parity, meaning they wanted to make sure that if another state was going to come in and it was going to be a free state that that's that they would also have a state that was going to come in that would be a slaveholding state so that the number of senators would be equal all around okay and that's the political aspect that kept up throughout okay that kept up up until the civil war this whole, you're going to have another new state. And, and that's the funny thing. is as, as more and more states started coming into the Union, in the beginning it was like, okay, you know, we're going to keep on going along this path of slave states and, and free states, and two senators here, two for, two for me, and two for you. And the Missouri Compromise went along for a while, um, except that what started happening was the movement to free slaves started gaining... Momentum, And you started having things, for example, like Nat Turner's Rebellion, okay? And then you started dealing with issues like Amistad, all right? And these things made Northerners very, very wary about slavery. Um, But the courts continued to tread a fine line, and things continued to go along. And I guess everyone just figured, well... We'll just keep on kicking this can down the road, okay? I'm not going to deal with this. We'll, we'll make some kind of a compromise. And I think what really kind of changed things was the Mexican War. And the Mexican War was significant because the United States, um, besides provoking war with uh, Mexico, took over half of Mexico's territory, Okay. And so after that, you've got all this new territory. Is it going to be slave? Is it going to be free? And this was a huge debate. Okay, It was a huge debate. Now, some people argued, look, the conditions for cotton plantations, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but in places like what are today New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, They're not really, (laughs) they're not good conditions for these massive plantations. And therefore, slavery is really not going to expand there. Not on any major level. I mean, yes, some people might bring slaves into the territory. But, you know, it would be personal. It would be like a guy owns three slaves. He's going to bring them into this new territory. But it wouldn't be like, all right, I'm going to take 500 slaves in to work on this new plantation. But it was still a big problem because it raised questions of, well, all these new territories are going to want to come into the states. Are they all going to be slaveholding? Are we going to continue to go up and down? Most of them are south of the line. And therefore, uh, you know, it's a big issue of like, well, they're technically in the slave territory. Okay. Uh, what are we going to do about this? And then you had a couple of things that happened that really, really changed the, the public opinion. Um, the first thing was you had a Fugitive Slave Act in 1850, which basically forced Northerners to aid Southerners in capturing runaway slaves and turning them in. It was the law now. And Northerners were basically like no, a lot of them were like, no, we're actually we're actually going to help get them freed and then we're going to hide them up here, help some of them escape to Canada where they were beyond, you know, the jurisdiction. And many Southerners pointed this out and said, this is hypocrisy. You can't just obey the law or, or you know, disobey the law when you decide. You may not like the law, but that's where you go and change it. As I've always said when I talk about the courts, when I teach about the courts in school, I always say that the courts are not designed to set the law. The courts are designed to interpret law. Congress, the legislature, sets the law. The court can say, I mean, justices can say, look, I don't like this any more than you guys do. But, you know, if the the penalty for something is a maximum of three years in jail, and you're like, my God, this person committed such a horrific crime— Okay, well, then, what you need to do is you need to go and elect people who are going to change the law, and then the courts will be happy to enforce the law. But the courts don't get to do that. The courts don't get to say, "You know, I know the law says this, but I think it should be this that's not the that's not the right way that the courts should operate okay so you have a Fugitive Slave Act, this caused a major problem. And it was a major problem also, because it wasn't just about telling the Northerners that they had to be okay with slavery. It was telling them that they had to help the Southerners. So you could be an abolitionist and be like, listen, I don't like slavery at all. I will never own a slave. And the heck with the South, the heck with these states that own it. Fine. But now it's become, are you aware of this person hiding out? You know, If you see someone who's a slave, who you suspect to be a runaway slave, now you have to turn that person into the police. You become complicit, you're basically doing the slave owner's work for them. And it's not too far to say that people don't like being told they have to do certain things, especially things that they don't like. It's just not something none of us do, okay? None of us like it, all right? Um, eventually then you had an event called Bleeding Kansas. Now, when I teach about the Civil War um, in my school, I always talk about the fact that Bleeding Kansas, to me, is really the start of the Civil War. It it went on from 1854 to about 1859. And Bleeding Kansas was everything. It was basically Civil war light. What you had was you had pro-slavery and anti-slavery forces, attacking one another trying to force Kansas to become either a slave state or a free state and you had guys you know you, you had malicious fighting you had artillery being used you know it was it was uh, you know it was termed bleeding kansas over 200 people died which admittedly compared to the actual civil war is a drop in the bucket but you could see what's happening is that you've gotten to a point now You've gotten to a point now where people on both sides are willing to kill in order to get their side's side's opinion through. Violence has now become acceptable. It's no longer about fighting it out in the courts. No, 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 no. Now it's like, well, listen, let's get a bunch of guys Get your guns, get your horses. And we've heard that there are some of these uh, anti-slavery folks in this town. We're going to go raid the town and kill a bunch of them. And and it went the other way too. I mean, I'm you know, as much anti-slavery as I am, I'm not trying to make it look just like it was completely the, pro-sla- uh, the pro-slavery forces that were doing things. Anti-slavery forces did it as well, okay? Anti-slavery forces did it as well. So you had Bleeding Kansas going on. And then what you had was the, the big one. You had Dred Scott. The Dred Scott decision. Often considered one of the worst Supreme Court decisions in the history of that, that August institution's lifetime. And, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, for those of you who are really interested in it, I do encourage you to go and look it up. Especially you budding lawyers... Um, do go, look it up Look up all of the arguments uh, It's fascinating stuff But the bottom line is Dred Scott was a slave In Missouri He was brought to free territory Up in Wisconsin and, and around there And then when he came back he sued Saying that because he had been in free territory He should be free Well The cases went back and forth And eventually it went up to the Supreme Court And in the Supreme Court the Chief Justice Justice Taney Gave a ruling. The ruling was 7-2. to Um, Heavily influenced, by the way, by uh, then-President-elect Buchanan. It was terrible. And today we would... I mean, today this would be... I don't know. I would like to say today this would be a massive scandal. uh, A president completely pushing the Supreme Court to rule a certain way. And, And individual justices to rule a certain way, but... Unfortunately, these days, I I don't know, in the United States, I mean, it it does seem that uh, presidents have, at least one in particular, has uh, interfered a little bit with things. But um, in any case, in any case, uh, Justice Taney came out and his ruling was just completely over the top, okay? I mean, it was the equivalency of, you know, you're getting in a fight and someone you know, punches you, and then, you, you know, you turn around and you grab a, uh, you know, a sledgehammer and whack them in the face with it. That's how this came across. Um, he ruled, number one, that the Constitution never expected black people to be citizens. That by virtue of the Constitution, only white people could be citizens. Blacks could not, even though in five out of the 13 original states, blacks had voting rights, okay, which per- you can't really vote if you're not a citizen, but he ruled that the Constitution, and therefore that Dred Scott didn't have standing to bring the case which he did against his previous owners. Then he decided, I know what I'm going to do, okay, okay. I know what I'm going to do. And he went out and said, by the way, the whole Missouri Compromise is also unconstitutional because there is no restriction on the expansion of slavery. Slavery is a guaranteed right in the Constitution, and therefore anything which says that you can prohibit the expansion of slavery is unconstitutional. Which meant there were no longer free states and slave states. All states were now slave states. Because you could move into New Jersey, New York with your slaves, Massachusetts, and that was fine. They were yours. They, it basically said that slaves were the property of their masters. Okay. Now, he intended this to completely... Settle the issue once and for all. And be like, all right, now the Supreme Court of the United States has spoken. That's it. We're done. This has been settled. And the Southerners were thrilled. The slave states were like, well, you heard the Supreme Court. And in the North, it was like, oh, no, you just didn't do this. In the North, people were outraged. They were like, you do not, the, the, the Supreme Court doesn't have the right to make this call. Okay, they don't have the right to determine this, and there are questions about it. And like I said, I don't want to get too much into the legalistic aspects of things. Number one, because it's uh, it's not my strength. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, um, so it's not something that you know I really want to get into the minutia of. Uh, but number two, also because there's so much more to talk about that up. I just want to leave you with that, and and I do encourage you if you really want to go go read up on the decision and everything. Um, and it, 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 even though the decision was intended to end the qu- the question once and for all, it ended up basically just rupturing everything. From that point on out, um, Northerners, and especially this new political party um, that had s- formed as a result of the Whig Party, who reminds you to go Whig or go home, the Whig Party split on slavery lines, and the Free Soil Party, which had been in existence for a little bit, which was basically just a party dedicated to the anti slavery movements, um, the Whigs and the Free Soil Party formed, they joined up to form a new political party called the Republican Party. Yes, this is the Republican Party that we have today. It's, that's their origins. Um, and so people were, were livid about this. Livid. Um, and it really created a big problem. So, when you have this going on right now, a uh, young man from Illinois, Abraham Lincoln, is being seen as the potential for a candidacy, for the presidency of the United States. The Republican, early Republican Party is amazing. I mean, they come into being, and then, you know, they ran a, a... uh, John C. Fremont in uh, 1856, unsuccessfully, and then four years later they win the presidency. I mean, could you imagine? It would be like a political party being formed within the next six months, right? The you know the uh, uh, I don't know the the Greater New Jersey prosperity realm political party, and then in 2028, eight years after being formed, only because it's you know 2024 would be the the first election we'd run it. Um, I don't mean we, I'm just because I'm from New Jersey. But it would be them getting in power in 2028, winning the presidency. I mean, unheard of. There have been other political parties in the United States. There used to be a lot more back in the day. Um, I'll do that one one time with the uh, a, a podcast about political parties in the U.S. historically. But today, let's be honest, there's Republican Party, there's Democrat Party, okay? There are no real third parties that may... I mean, on a local level, yes, you might have libertarians win here. You might have... Uh, you know, a democratic socialist win there, uh, but there's no there's no legitimate third party that's going to make a serious run for the presidency, or or even for the most part, for like the Senate or anything. I mean, you know, Bernie Sanders is kind of the exception to the rule. You know, uh, you know, as a socialist, and he caucuses with the Democrats and everything, but still. You know, there's no, it's not like you have this third party. Back then you had a lot of different parties and, you know, they would form, they would dissolve. Um, And Southerners were very worried about Lincoln. Lincoln, while technically being sort of anti-slavery, was not, he had no plans to abolish slavery. Okay. And I know this is where you get into the, Lincoln, I always find it entertaining because you get some people that are like, Lincoln, greatest president, freed the slaves, you know, he, the Emancipation Proclamation. And then you get the people that are like, Lincoln had a very low opinion of black people. Lincoln didn't want to abolish slavery. He was perfectly okay with it. The truth, as is usually the case, is really in between that. Lincoln famously did said that he had no plans on abolishing slavery. Okay, Lincoln did not want to abolish slavery because Lincoln's bigger concern was the fact that people in the South were starting to use the S word again. Okay, secession. This had been threatened before. Um, you know, South Carolina had threatened before. And there was talk – I mean, heck, you really want to have fun, go back to 1812 and read about Connecticut and uh, the Hartford Convention where you know, part of New England was threatening to secede from the Union. Um, but anyway, that caused the collapse of the Federalist Party. But it's a story for another day there, people. Um, Lincoln's thing was – his big thing was, listen, we need to preserve the Union. That's it. And, you know, famously, if I could preserve the Union by keeping some of the slaves and freeing some of them, by freeing all the slaves, or by keeping all the slaves, whatever it is, I would do it to preserve the Union. However, don't, don't let truth get in the way of a good story, because that just, nobody likes that. Everyone needs people to be extreme. You have to be either completely evil or wholly beyond the point of reproach. And I think that we can see that in politics today. You see both political parties accusing one another of being spawn of Satan or being the only thing stopping us from a complete and total takeover by the enemy. So that's that's the case with Lincoln. Lincoln runs, and, you know, Lincoln... This is after the publication of good old Uncle Tom's Cabin, which the, the Southerners were enraged about. Um, and Northerners, basically, it it gave Northerners a lot of ammunition as far as, you know, the slavery is bad, it's a wrongful thing. In the South, they they were like, the slaves love being slaves, you know, they're treated better than freed blacks in the North. And in some cases, this might have been true, okay? There were some slave owners who did, the, the slaves were treated like family, okay, um, not on these huge plantations, mind you. Okay, but there were some slave owners that... I'm, you know, we, we, we have these stories of them. And blacks in the North, you know, especially after the potato famine drove countless Irish to the Americas, there were, there were you know, racial riots going on in places like New York City because the Irish represented a um, threat to... The job security that some of the blacks had been having, they were doing work. And the Irish were getting the work. The freed blacks were coming up and getting more work. So, you know, don't let's pretend. There was a lot of racism. Don't let's pretend that the North was completely complicit. However, we, we, we have to say this. It, no matter how well you treat someone, okay, I can, I can leave tomorrow and be like, I'm going somewhere and I'll be gone for a week. And I can do that. I'm free. A slave cannot. And that's the real question. No matter how well you're treated, if you're like, listen, I don't want to do this today, well, that's too bad. You don't have a choice. That's what it comes down to. And slavery was a dehumanizing and horrible institution and Northerners were becoming increasingly aggravated about the fact that they were being forced into this, that it seemed like the courts kept on ruling and 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 siding with the South, especially at a time when the Northern economy dwarfed the South. Northern population was three times what it was in the South. So you had a, a population that was dominant three times, and this this part of the country, which was whose economy was nowhere close to the north and whose population was a third of them were the ones that were dictating policy. They were the ones having the laws written to favor them. And eventually the northerners got tired of it. Again, it's not just about slavery. It's also this political fight of, you know, I'm sorry, I don't care about this anymore, you know fine, I would be okay if you guys had slavery, but I'm not okay with you determining what we, we should not shouldn't be able to do in the North. So that's a real issue. Okay? A real issue. And then, of course, when Lincoln gets the, the party's nomination, the Republican Party nomination, the South, most Southern states didn't even have him on the ballot. It didn't matter. Because of the population in the North, the Northern states voted for him except New Jersey. Ironically, New Jersey, I believe New Jersey is the only state that did not vote for Lincoln either in 60 or in 64. I know in 64, New Jersey voted for McClellan. I forget off the top of my head who he voted for in 60, but it's kind of like, you almost want to be like, you know, that's one of those where it's like, oh, yeah, Yeah, yes. Sorry about, you know, voting against Lincoln. But... I think on the other hand it just does go to show not everyone supported Lincoln. And Lincoln's policy coming in was basically I'm not going to free the slaves, but by that point it was too late, okay? It was too late. Um Southern states, many southern states were just waiting for an excuse. They were waiting for something which would happen that would make them determine this is that's it, we're out. And Lincoln winning the election Was it Once Lincoln won I mean within within a a month or so South Carolina was like we're out Followed up by Mississippi Followed by Florida Alabama, Georgia, Texas Uh, You know that was the The first several states that All seceded and then formed the Confederate States of America They figured the other slave owning states and and states that were considered southern states would uh, would also withdraw, and they were right. They were right. Um, you know, it was it was a matter of time, and I'm going to take this up in the next uh, podcast where I'm going to talk about what happened from the point where um, you know after the secession starts. But Lincoln Lincoln's concept of the government was that the United States of America was was an eternal relationship that the bonds could not be broken okay and that's why he did not consider these states they never acknowledged these states as seceding we come up with some nice little legal fictions later on to determine it's like well yeah you said that you don't really accept that they seceded but then you say this it's like ah well you know because of blah 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 but um you know the idea was that there were states that were in rebellion And these states had to be brought back in from being a state of rebellion. And, you know, Lincoln was trying to do it the nice way. But, you know, then after a little while, Fort Sumter, after a while it became obvious that these states were not going to willingly come back in. They had determined we're our own country now. That's it. Set up a president, vice president. Wait until I read you guys depart from Alexander Stevens the vice president of the Confederacy, the cornerstone speech. It's one of my favorites, because whenever I get into these debates with people, oh, it's not about slavery, it's not about slavery. Yeah, well, you might want to have brought that up if you can invent a time machine and go back and talk to Alexander as vice president of the Confederacy, where he comes out and says, hey, by the way, we are all about slavery. The entire reason we left the Union? Slavery. The basis of our country? Slavery. Have I mentioned we love slavery? It's the best. We don't want to be part of a country that doesn't have slavery because whites are superior, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, next time someone says to you, if you're at a party, which hopefully is only involving, what, nine people I think we're allowed now, or ten people, stay socially distanced. But if you're at one of these get-togethers, and you're out there and someone starts bringing up, as often happens at places that I go to, You know, bring up talking about, you know, late 1850s, early 1860s, you know, the the political uh, spectrum in the United States. Yeah, you know, throw that at them and just be like, all right, explain the cornerstone speech then. They probably all have no idea what you're talking about, which is also fun because, you know, at least if you're going to make the argument, you got to do your homework. You have at least something come back and be like, yeah, well, Stevens was talking about blah, 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 blah. Okay, you might be wrong, but at least you've shown you know what you're talking about. You know, you can't just be like, the wh- who's what now, huh? I mean, you know, that's, uh be like being like, well, why did Lee do this at Gettysburg? Wait, who's, what, Lee who, you ta- Lee who? What are you talking about? Yeah, then you sound like a dummy, okay? In the next podcast that I do, I would like to take this a little further. I would like to talk about what happened after the first state started seceding and the beginning of the Civil War, the objectives, the way that it affected the economy, um, and how Lincoln really, Lincoln kind of managed to, to hold things together at a time when, you know, people expected a very quick war. It's funny, everyone always expects a quick war. Civil War was going to be over with, uh, you know, in a month. Uh, World War I was going to be over with by Christmas. And all these wars, everyone's, ah, be a piece of cake, we're we'll going to do this. I wonder sometimes if they knew if, if someone could go up and someone would have been like, Listen, this war, this civil war is going to cost over 500,000 lives, ruining even more, destroying large parts of the country. If people wouldn't be like, Oh, maybe we should try uh, something else here. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, that's not possible. So we have to go with what we have. Now, um... I would also like to just give a quick shout out. I know some people are buying things over the holidays uh, for people. If like me you have a hankering for World War I and World War II stuff, um, and this is I'm not being paid for this at all. I just wanted to give a shout-out because it's really cool. I just got my uh I just got my book, uh Sturmpanzer A7V, The First of the Panzers, which is a lovely book about the first German tank that was ever created. But Um, There's a place, Aberdeen Bookstore, A-B-E-R-D-E-E-N, Aberdeen Bookstore. Um, They're out in Colorado, and uh, the guy out there has got a phenomenal amount of books. I mean, some of it is like, you know, it's – some of it is on a technical level where it's like, you know, oh, we're going to talk about mobile German artillery pieces on the Eastern Front from 1943 to 1945. Now, if that's your kick, then, by all means. But there's all sorts of really cool stuff. And I was thrilled with the stuff that I got. So, yeah, I, I know I don't have a ton of people uh, that, that listen to my podcast. I mean, I've got, I've got a, d- a very good amount, and I'm appreciative for each and every one of you that do. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, but if you want to go, go ahead and, uh, and go check out their website. You know, use the Google, Google it, as we say. Um, lots of different stuff. Um, we might be able to find something uh, that tickles your fancy on it. So anyway, in the meantime, I hope everyone's doing well. Any questions, comments, you know, things you wish you could throw at me in person, please drop a line. Let me know through Anchor, um, through Apple, whatever the case is. Um, please be safe. Be smart. Uh, uh, you know, apply social distancing. Put a mask on. Don't become a hermit, but, you know, we we all have to get through this thing together, right? And my next podcast will be coming out pretty soon. I do apologize for the the delay in this one, but it's, you know, this time period is always a little chaotic. But I'll get the next one out in, like, another five days or so, so it won't be too long before you get to hear the Civil War Part 2. I don't know how many parts it'll be, but I'll tell you what. They'll be great, each and every one of them. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe and be smart. Bye-bye.